episode two of the FHA podcast. I am your co-host, Connor Bazal, along with our other co-host, Adam Zukowski. Uh, this FHA podcast is brought to you by the Fellowship of Hockey Advancement, the free mentorship program for high school and junior hockey players that Zook and I created. Zook, how are we doing tonight? Good, busy. Just got back from our game against Worcester. Uh, the tough loss today, 3-2. to two. Came back in the last five minutes, scored two goals. Team's got some heart. How's your week? It's going, it's going all right. Last week before school starts here, kind of, kind of dreading getting back into it. But yeah, no, uh, got two big games this weekend, and uh, ready, ready to keep working every day. So how many, how many games do you guys have left? Fourteen. We got fourteen and all. Um, I heard, I, I heard you had an interesting week, Chris. Last game. Oh, last week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you obviously want to talk about it, so you can you can go ahead and bring it up because I really don't want to. Okay. Uh, well, if you didn't see online, uh, Buffalo State was scored on by Fredonia on a goalie goal. Very rare occasion. Um, Connor was not on the ice, but <laughs> uh, I was. I don't know if I can say this, but I was emailed by Fredonia uh, with them showing off their goalie goal. So I think they're using that to recruit nowadays. There's yeah, one... <laughs> uh, it was it was tough, um, tough tough loss for the boys. Um, honestly, you gotta give credit where it's due, though. Like, shout out to that guy for you know having the ability to, to score. It's like pretty that. cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, it was one of those things, like I, yeah, like, like you said, like I was on the bench for that. Um, once he released it, I think we all just kind of were like, "Oh gosh, like that's definitely, that's definitely going." <laughs> but um, yeah, no, that was that was pretty crazy. Um, honestly, and it was one of those plays where you're like, it happens, and you're like, I just hope I don't see that all over uh, social media, and then. Of course, a couple hours later, I, I go home and I'm on Twitter and I see like John Bucciagrass and like Steve Levy and all these guys have like retweeted it and I was like, okay. You never, you never think about the other side of the goalie goal. It's got to be like the. You know, that is true. Like, <laughs> there should be like a GoFundMe for teams that get scored on by a goalie goal. Like we need some sort of support. <laughs> Wait, has it hasn't it happened to you before? <laughs> Yeah, so that was actually the second goalie goal I've witnessed in my career so far. Um, or been on the receiving side of. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, that's tough. When I was a sophomore in high school, we had a other team had a delayed penalty, so we pulled our goalie. And Brennan Boyden, um, he's he's a goalie at the University of Minnesota now. One of my good buddies. We'll definitely get him on here at some point, so he can he can tell a story too. But. Um, uh, one of my one of my teammates, Jack Fredericks, he's also he's he's with points at, at the at the University of Minnesota right now, which is kind of ironic. But um, Jack went to make a pass, and I think it just missed whoever he was passing to, and went all the way down the ice and into the empty net. And points is the last guy to touch it, so they they gave him the goal. That's crazy. <laughs> so like I mean, like the first time it happened, like he didn't he didn't shoot it in the net or anything like like this time, but. Uh, it was funny because nobody really knew like who had scored. So then once like the official announcement came, it said it was it was Boyd. So uh, yeah, it was it was crazy and uh, didn't didn't help that at that time I didn't I hadn't scored a goal yet 
and so he uh, he ended up he was always chirping me for uh, how he had more goals than me. But I mean, it doesn't help that I had only scored one that season, so we end up tying. <laughs> we end up tying that season. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, what it, what it's like playing with Nathan Miller on my team. Anytime the puck touches his pad and he kicks out a rebound, he's praying that he gets the assist. And anytime he does get the assist, he's like screaming at our coach DiCaprio that he got the assist. That's like his biggest thing in hockey. Well, but for him, like he gets enough assists on his own that like he doesn't even need those ones. Like I know it's actually like, crazy. Last year, last year, I mean, you bring up playing Worcester. I remember last year we played them and. He had two assists in that game. I think I was like tired for the most points on the team that game. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" And He's like, crazy. Like we just said, like it wasn't, it wasn't going off his pad, and then like somebody goes coast to coast. Like he like made a stretch passes to the far blue line, and like, yeah. yeah, that's that's crazy. Today on our on a penalty kill, there was like I think there was nineteen penalties in the game today. It was, it was terrible, and like they had three power play goals, and they won three to two. It just sucked. But there was one time where they dumped the puck in the zone on the power play. And you know how Mills is like the fifth penalty killer, right? Mills steps out of his net and just rings it high glass, like perfectly out and down behind the other net. It was, it was awesome. He's really good at that. Speaking of that many penalties in the game, uh, my first year at BJR, we were playing the abs. And... I want to say it was like the day, like the game before Christmas break, and we went over for eighteen on the power play. I actually I need to fact check that, but like I'm almost confident that, that it was eighteen. And the game we ended up winning one nothing in a shootout. <laughs> That's over eighteen is. Yeah, that might be. It, it, like, it was like, but like, how mad was Decap? How mad was Decap? Well, he wasn't—he wasn't as mad as as the abs coach because I mean, he, like the, I, I'll, I'll admit, like the penalties they were calling, like some of them were kind of like iffy. I mean, it was like comical. I, I, oh, I, wasn't wasn't this because he was yelling at the refs too much and they just kept calling it? I've heard I've there, heard this yeah, story. There was some there was some background behind it, but <laughs> um, yeah, it was just like it got to the point where it was like we literally. Like cannot score on the power play. It was almost kind of funny, but yeah, yeah, crazy, crazy stuff back back in juniors and crazy stuff happening now, as you said, like last week. But um, Zook, I real quick, I have to shout out one of my old teammates that was actually, uh, I believe he was on the ice for that Brennan Boyden uh, goalie goal. So um, the the U.S. Uh, announced their Olympic rosters for uh, this upcoming Olympics in Beijing, and my former high school teammate, Nick Kerbix, got uh, got selected to the squad, so I got to shout out Nick real quick. Um, obviously, with, like, the weird circumstances with the NHL and all that, um, you know, they need to pick, pick, pick players that, you know, might not have made it usually, um, but I think regardless, like, it's, it's, this is awesome. Um, yeah, like I said, got the opportunity to put Nick for two years. Um, great player. Like, amazing player, obviously. That's why he got selected. Um, now he's at St. Cloud State, lighting it up. A lot of Minnesotans. A lot of Minnesotans on the he team. like eight points this weekend. 
I remember playing uh, Sam Hentges in high school, and he was at Totino Grace. He's at St. Cloud now, too. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, he was sneaky, one of the best players in the state for his age. And all of a sudden, look yeah. what happens. He was stuck on a, on a not-so-great team. Yep. I, we, we played them every year, too, and he would just buzz around. So, um, yeah, great to see guys from Minnesota making the squad. Um, it's going to be really cool getting to watch them overseas and um, – like I said, Nick, like that's, I mean, now that's one more person I get to brag about playing with. That's the best right. part, too. Right. Guys who are really good. And, like, I mean, I'm not, I feel like I'd be getting like this when I, like, have kids and I'm, like, 40 years old, but I'm 22 and I'm already, uh, 22, by the way. It was Biz's birthday, uh, January 25th. Yeah, Happy birthday, Biz. That's year was my birthday. Um, 22 yeah. as a freshman. Yeah, hey, 22 year old freshman is a lifestyle. You, you, got, you got to embrace it. Not, every, not, every, not everybody gets to see that they are that. So. Exactly. It's awesome. Um, yeah, it's kind of tough having a birthday on a Tuesday, though. Not much to do. Yeah. I end up watching The Bachelor with my roommates. So. I did the same. I want to see, like one of the better birthdays I've had. So. Indian food, Bachelor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know the deal. Nothing better. All right. But, yeah forward to see those guys in the olympics um we'll we'll try to get nick on after he gets back and, and he can tell about his experiences and how that hopefully he's come back with a gold medal so oh yeah good luck team usa um Zook, should we get to our uh main little segment here before we, we get to work actually we gotta bring up who we're even getting on today andy moore yeah the one and only first ever guest um no one else would rather have on first than uh, the one and only Andy Moore. And obviously you guys will get to know more about him and, and the path he's taken and and the path he's going to take in the future here. So he's really close to Zuke and I. We're, one, we're, we're his best friends and uh, had the opportunity to witness greatness with him last year. So we're, we're really happy to get him on. And I think there's definitely – he made a lot of points in that interview that, that listeners should definitely pay attention to. And kids can learn from too. Like yeah, some of some of the lessons he, yeah, and he's also he's also like one of the nicest kids I've ever played with in the sport of hockey. Yeah, until unless you're on the other team, but (laughs) one of the nicest teammates I've ever played with, probably. Yeah, I've said it before. Like, as you go along your hockey career and your journey in hockey, like you meet a lot of good players, usually, and and. But there's not always all of them that you like want to root for, like going for. Like there's some guys who like are all about themselves, like know how good they are, and hundred like, percent. Like I don't want to root for that guy, but Andy is one of the guys that um you can't say that about. He's like so easy to, to root for, and, and and like I want nothing but the best for him. So it's really cool to see the su- success he's been having lately, and um. Yeah, glad, really glad we got to get him on for the, for the interview in a, in a little bit here. But All right, let's get, that, let's get into that uh, first segment. Yeah, so usually with, with now that we're bringing on guests, I think our plan moving forward is we want to talk about, you know, a, like a certain topic. Not, we don't have to go over it too much, but um, we'll go over a little topic before we get to the interview. Um, for this one, we actually received an email uh, through our website about um, a certain 
it was that it was from a parent it was about his, his son's situation that he's in right now and it was one that we feel like a lot of players uh will find themselves in it's it's a pretty common situation so we wanted to just touch on it a little bit give our advice and and hopefully we can help those who can relate to this but um so i'll go ahead and read this off we're going to keep it anonymous for the uh sender's sake um so it's uh, so what we got sent was uh hi guys i'm a parent of a 17 year old player who wants to play junior hockey next year he currently plays AAA at the 18u level for whatever team um we hired an advisor this past fall the advisor doesn't really do as much as i thought they would unfortunately we cannot afford to switch to another advisor so we are stuck with what we have do you have any advice for a player trying to make the transition from 18u to junior Zub, why don't you give your thoughts first? All right. So basically what I came back and I said with was um, my experience playing 18s. I played actually my age out year 18s. Not, this, this kid was a, a first-year 18, so he still has that second year and then two more years of junior. So I kind of said, uh, first of all, I, I talked about the advisor situation. Um and I told him that maybe trying to force that communication or ask him like what he's doing for you or really just trying to have a healthy communication with him instead of kind of just no communication at all and letting them kind of ignore you and not do their job. Um, but I said that you can't, you kind of have to be patient and you have to focus on what you're doing at the time. You can't really look too far ahead. So basically I played my whole 18 season, barely talked to any tier two junior teams because i'm assuming this, this guy wanted to go tier two junior um and i said hey like i had like all of a sudden in april like i got a call and got that offer and i hadn't you know my advisor didn't do anything for it like i just decided i want to play the right way and i had the right connections that helped me get that um so i kind of told him hey you just you kind of got to focus on your season being the most prepared you can uh I feel like a lot of advisors work really does come in April through September, October, kind of when the teams start to mix around and stuff. And you kind of need to find those new teams. If, if a situation doesn't work out for you or find your way into camps and have connections with coaches while you're at those camps, like that's where I feel like an advisor in the junior hockey world is huge for you. Um, but you still have to have that, that good communication with them. How about you, Bessie? Well, yeah, and I, I would say the whole advisor situation is kind of a gray area in the, in the junior hockey space and, and high school hockey space as well. Um, I think it's very hit or miss. Um, for me, like I was, I was blessed. Like I had a great advisor that I know he did all he could to, to get me where he where I, he thought I, I should be at, and um. He, he was from my hometown. Um, we're actually trying to partner with him right now because, like, that's how much I believe in his services. And and that's the thing, too, is, like, there are good advisors out there. Like, you just need to find them. I, I think, like, a general rule for me was, like, if I'm getting contacted through, you know, my Instagram DMs or, like, stuff like that, like, I, you know, wasn't too confident, like, giving an advisor like that a chance. Um I, instead, like my family went with someone that we knew. Like I said, he's from my hometown, 
So he'd see me play all through high school, um, things like that. So it's it's tough because I, I know advisors do get kind of a bad rep now, but there are good ones out there. What, what you have? Uh, we chatted with Andy a little bit about this too. This kid never had an advisor. A lot yeah. of a lot of the hockey world is what your connections are. And paying someone to have that connection isn't always the answer. It's about developing good relationships with coaches, playing the right way, and finding those people in your life that'll be helpful for you down the road. You have to be strategic. You can't just people will find you if you play, but you have to be strategic with who you know. Definitely, yeah. And I think you know that kind of leads into like what I responded to to this email. Um, you should be your own biggest advocate. I think I, I, I'm a firm believer in that. Like I, even when I had an advisor, like I would still send out emails on my own behalf to coaches or whatever. I do the same. Um, Like, like, yes, have an advisor, a good advisor is great. And like, it's very helpful, but like, I still feel like there's something special about get it, like receiving a message from the player himself. Like, I feel like if, if I like when I'm a coach someday, like I want a kid who believes in himself and like, like knows what his goals are and like like believes that he can play at whatever level. And um, so I think you got to be your own biggest advocate. Um, there's definitely, but like there's a fine line to that too. I think you know you got if you're gonna send a like a message to a coach or a scout or whatever, like you got to be sending the right. Um, the right information, the right message. Like you don't want to, especially like. Uh, here, here's another rule of thumb: never have your parents do that. I guarantee it. I guarantee junior coaches, college coaches, they do not want to deal with your parents. They would rather deal with, with your advisor rather than than your parents. Um, I feel like that's kind of like like even in high school now. Like well, like or like when I was in high school, like that was like the big thing. It was like. My coach was like, I don't want to hear from your parents. Like, this is between, like, you as players and us as the coaches now. Like, the parents are there to support you off the ice and, like, come watch your games and stuff like that. So, um, There's not supposed to be a point of contact between parents and coaches unless it's planning a team event or something like that. No. That's how it's supposed and to go. On social media, like, every now and then I'll see, like, somebody, somebody will, like, a high-end coach will post, like, a message they got from a, a parent, and it's like, you're you're crossing your kid's name off of so many lists by doing that. It's actually insane. But and this parent was really smart for going to us and asking these questions and not going to yeah. to other sources. That and I, I will piggyback off of what you said um, about advisors working in the springtime more so. That that's actually a very very big point. Um, I do think advisors. Especially like with juniors, because that's when like, um, like draft camps and main camps are starting to happen. Like invites are starting to get sent out for that stuff. Like so that that's a a, a very busy period where advisors can get involved. Um, but at the same time, though, like, it, like a good advisor should tell you to go to this camp because, like, they have this many players leaving. Like they need to fill this many spots. Um, like they usually take this type of player, stuff like that. Like, and and also too, like, I know when I was coming out of high school, like I was getting a lot of emails to go to camps that like, if I didn't have an advisor to like 
like show those emails to, like I probably would have went to a lot more than I needed to. And I would have wasted my parents' money. I would have wasted my own time because I highly doubt I would have made the Bukes like main camp or whatever. Like I don't, I, I feel like a good advisor will be able to look at an email like that and tell you like, if it's like worth it to go to or not. Agreed. Um, at, at the end of the day, like you're paying, if, I mean, I assume you're paying an advisor, so you should be getting the best out of them. But I feel like they should also like be helping you and your parents, your family be able to save money and not like run around to the places that you have no chance of making and, and the team just grabbing your money and, and laughing at you. Yep. Yeah, my advisor, every every dealing I had with a coach through junior, I'd send to my advisor. Text messages, emails, all the stuff, and we'd work through it together because um, we had a, a very good communication. He will still call me all the time getting stuff done because I still got to commit to college uh, coming yeah. up here. So, like, we're really we're really getting down the line working on how this is, how it's going to end up. So, yeah. But in the end, it's all about how you play. In the end, it's yeah. all about how you play. It's the product you have on the ice. So just if, as long as you keep a major focus on that, it's e- easier said than done. But that's what's most important. Yeah, and I do think like at the end of the day with an advisor, you can never question like whether they're doing the most for you or not. Like I was fortunate enough with my advisor where like he was really upfront with me and honest. Like like after every season he would sit me down and he'd have like a notebook out and he'd be telling me like where, like which teams and coaches he was be targeting, like which teams he had good uh, relationships with, like which teams he died. I'd fit in well. And then, like I said, in, like a little bit ago, he would show me which teams are losing. Like, for example, like I'm a, I'm a forward, I'm left-handed. So like they're, they're losing this many left-handed forwards. So um, I like, I think there needs to be a, like a lot of honesty when it comes to that, that partnership between a family and, a, and an advisor. Um, but you also have to know, like, like with my advisor, I knew he had a lot of clients. So like, I wasn't going to be needy and like, I didn't need to hear from him every second of the day. So like, if he took a day or two to respond to my text, like I was fine with that. Cause I knew he was busy doing like helping out other, other players. And usually I was in a good enough spot where like my needs weren't urgent. Like it wasn't an emergency. So, um, that's the thing too. Like you got to respect, like your advisor's work and, and, and how many clients and avail- like how much availability he really has. But um, I mean, yeah, like I said earlier, I think being an advocate for yourself is truly like one of the best things you can do. Like I, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll just bring it up because it kind of got me to where I'm at today. Like here at Buffalo state, um, when I got cut from the null last year, I, that's when I realized like, okay, like, I'm most likely going D3. Like, I'm not going to get my hopes up on going D1 at all. Um, so I sent out a ton of, of emails to these D3 schools that I, like, could see myself playing at and, like, ones that I would I would actually, like, entertain going to. And doing that alone, um, it, it got me a lot of a lot of traction with schools. Like, I th- like, I know Zuki Zook, and I have talked about this before, but I sent those emails – out the day before I drove out to Boston to, ch- to join the Junior Rangers, and me and my dad were driving out. Um, it's about a 24-hour drive. We drove straight through, and in that during that car ride, like I swear it was like every 20 minutes or so, like I was getting a new call from a new co- new college, and it was all because I sent out an email saying, "Hey, like 
I've looked into your program. Like, I think I would fit in well here. I'm, I'm interested. Like, and then all like that, like, bam, like you're starting a relationship right there. Like, it's stuff like that, that, that can go a long way. Like whether you believe it or not. Um, I would definitely recommend that for, for players at like in the high school and junior ages as well. And I've done plenty of it. I've kind of done the same template for all of them too. So I know Zook, I sent you my template for, for colleges and, um, like if, if any of the listeners out there, parents of players who like think they like they could benefit from this, like reach out to us. Like I'll gladly send over an example email that that I sent out because I mean that's how much I believe in it. Like I literally just like like if you know you can play at the level that you want to get to, then like reach out to like a coach at that level and like advocate for yourself. It's, I didn't tell you this, Fizzy. I didn't tell you this, but a kid reached out to me yesterday for my email that I sent to colleges. So I sent it over to him yesterday. Really. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's what I'm talking. It, it's crazy, Zug. I, I hear guys complain, like I, especially like throughout juniors, like guys who are trying to play D three, trying to play college hockey, and it's like, like they're complaining, oh, they're getting nowhere with it. And I'm like, well, how many schools have you reached out to on your own? Because your your coach can only do so much, and your advisor can only do so much. Like, yeah. like, and I feel like too, like, yes, an advisor is a good way to like get your foot in the door with many teams and coaches, but like. At the same time, it might be a, it might be a, a thing where a coach hears from an advisor about all these clients, and it's like, and the coach is probably like, yeah, yeah, like I, I get it, you're trying to push your players on, but like, like I feel like I feel like at some point they might get sick of that, right? Like you, you, you know what I'm talking about? Like I feel yes. like it's almost, it's almost like refreshing. It's refreshing to hear from a player. I was going to say that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's refreshing hearing from a player and like hearing why he wants to play for your team. I, I don't know. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, that's my that's my rant. I yeah. I mean, but like I saw like I'm really glad this this uh, parent reached out to us because like I read it and I was like, this needs like this needs to go on our podcast because I know I, I guarantee there's people that are gonna listen to this that are feeling the same way and are, are stuck in the same predicament. So we love parent submissions too. Going through well, our website's more than open to anyone who wants to reach out, and our advice is free. It's free. Yeah. Three ninety nine, baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's the, like, like, doesn't hurt to reach about, out. We talk about how FHA is for high school and junior hockey players, but like, like if you're a parent who's a parent, like if you're a parent of a high school or junior hockey player, like this can be just as much beneficial to you as as it would be your own your own uh, kid. In like, essence, in essence, what we want to do is just spread information to the junior hockey world so people don't get screwed over in any yeah. sense of the word where and that's anybody involved in the hockey world either it's the parents who are paying the money kids who are playing wasting your time and certain things or being lied to or haven't been through certain experiences we're here to share what's happened to us and pass it down to you so and i think we should clarify like we aren't advisors we've actually been asked that before not at all that's not what we want to do either that's not our space that's not what we're trying to get ourselves into we'll um, not contact the school or a coach that we know yeah, for no, you it's not gonna happen. Don't, don't reach out to us that's not that's not our thing we have we can help you find a good advisor like like we said like we're trying to partner with advisors that we believe in and trust in and want to want to promote um, so we'll we'll get ads out for those guys soon. We'll announce our partnerships with them soon as well. But yeah, do not expect us to get your son or your, get yourself onto a team because 
<laughs> we're not those guys. No, we're not. That's Legro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, you have anything else on that, or should we? No. Should we to any more interview? I think we'll send it to any more. All right. Yeah. Well, but before that, we do have our first uh, ad. I believe Zook is, is that is that so? That's for the Eastern Hockey League. Uh, I currently play in the league. Um, or for the Boston Junior Rangers, obviously. So I think. 16-team, 17-team league, 16. They also have the Eastern Hockey League Premier, which is a lower division for the Eastern Hockey League. It's more of a development league for younger junior kids that are still 18U eligible for the most part sometimes. Um, But if you want to play college hockey, the EHL is the best spot to go. I won't lie. That's the reason I came to the league. There's a crazy amount of Division three schools out east. And the amount of showcases that we have. We have five showcases this year. And you could look in the stands in every game. And you'd see ten coats at a time. Like, it was crazy. And there are games, like, if you're playing a, like, a high-tier matchup, there's going to be 20, 30 different schools there. It, it's absolutely insane. I know busy of that story about your first showcase yeah but no i i was i was gonna say like it's only fitting that we have dhl uh sponsor this 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 uh, episode because uh I mean, obviously andy moore is the hl alum so it works out it works out perfectly but yeah no i'll I, I completely agree with what you just said um even before i go into my first showcase i'll say like coming from minnesota like i had never heard of the ehl at all whatsoever like i didn't know it was a league and um i found myself playing in the hl my second year of juniors and honestly like i had a pretty poor attitude going into it like i thought oh like this isn't the level i should be playing at i should be playing tier two like all, all that stuff that, that, that players uh, sometimes find themselves in unfortunately but um yeah, I went into it thinking like, oh, this is gonna be really easy for me. Like, I'm gonna light this league up, then I'm I'm gonna get called up, and like, the players I'm playing against probably are gonna be bad and stuff. And I was like, completely taken back and like, totally had to shift my perspective on that because um, it is a better league than I think people do give credit, or uh, like, the the pace is the pace of play is definitely a lot higher than than it, uh, the people perceive it to be. Um, my yeah, like 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 Zook just alluded to my first year there, so the showcases are huge, and I like my first year. I obviously, hadn't heard, like hadn't been to one. I'd heard about them, but like didn't really know what they're all about. Um, and after our first game, we 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 won. Um, I think like six to three against against one of the other teams, and I get out of the locker room, and there's literally college coaches lined in the hallway, like like we were probably in like the middle of like the entire hallway and it was down one side, like out like into like the lobby area and they were all for our team. Like all the coaches were there to talk to our players. And that's how I was like, okay, like this is legit. Like this is, this is really cool. And I mean, for like, especially for me, cause like I wasn't planning on playing college that next year. So like I, like I got to sit back and just like, like witness all that and like 
hear how conversations were going with between uh, my teammates and, and college coaches. And um, yeah, it's crazy. Like I, like you said, you look up in the stands and you can see all the college coaches talking to each other up there and they all got their note, notebooks out. And um, like you said, Zook, if you want to play college hockey, like this is the league. And I, yep. Well, it's also run by Neil Ravin, who does an excellent job with the league. You can see through all the graphics, through the league website, everything is extremely well put together. If you look at other leagues around North America, I'm not sure there's much competition. Like you, I'm not going to say other leagues and stuff, but once you get to the, the North American League and the USHL, like you're, you're, that's how our league is honestly run from the outside. There's everything's done top tier. Every event is done extremely well, and it's a really comfortable experience you're playing in the league. I'll vouch for it 100. percent Oh. I, I completely agree with that. Like, if you want to know your, what you're getting yourself into with the EHL, like, go check out their Instagram. Go check out their Twitter. Like, the graphics are insane. I think they're getting more players because of like the effort they're putting into social media, which I think is so cool. That's like, part of the reason I figured out about it because I saw every commitment post. Because what did they commit? 190 kids last year to college. I I want to like, out of 16 teams. I, that's crazy. Last time I looked at their website, I think it was like. 1100 commitments that they've had no like, it's like it's almost 1400 oh, oh yeah I mean, that, that doesn't surprise me but um yeah and it, it, it doesn't matter what age you are because like if you're an age out and you want to play d3 or d2 go play in the hl if, if you're you know a second year juniors player who you know, wants to go be in the league for a year and then light it up the next year after like go do that if you're a rookie Go play in the NHL, develop like properly in your first year of junior hockey, and then you have a chance to go play two two. Or we'll get into it with Andy. Andy started his first year in the EHL, made the jump directly to the USHL this year. Which I'm not saying everybody's going to be an Andy Moore, but the possibility is there. Like, I mean, I feel like people just gotta like look into it and actually like, know what they're getting getting themselves into. Like, go look at go look at the commitment numbers. Go look at where guys are committed, like it's not like everybody in the league is committing to, you know, these bottom feeder schools um, in the D three D two levels. Like, there's guys going to like top five schools. Like, if you like, yeah, if you want to play college hockey, go to the Eastern Hockey League. Check I, it out. I, that's a great app. That's a that's a tire pump and a half, Connor. But that's that's the thing. I feel like with junior, like some junior leagues will try to promote things that they aren't. And that's the complete opposite for the EHL. Like they know exactly, like the, the 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 niche that they're trying to have, and they promote that. Like they literally say, like if you want to play D two D two or D three, we can help you with that. We're not going to send you. Odds are of you playing in the EHL and going from the EHL to D one directly, slim to none. But they know that and they're okay with that. Like that's not that's not their their area. So. Yeah, I, like I said, I can't say enough good things about the EHL. I ended up spending two years there. Um, it ended up being the right spot for me, and I fully do not regret playing there, um, especially at, especially being a guy who didn't uh, didn't even know what the league was probably a year prior. So I would definitely go check out their, uh, their website. They have a podcast, too. We've actually been on their podcast. We went on last summer, if you want to check that out. Um yeah, it's it's a good league. Um, 
go check it out. Eastern so, Hockey League. Uh, yeah, they're they're our right. they're one of our partners now, so we'll we'll be getting that out there as well. So. Awesome. Happy right. happy to be an alum. That's for sure, Zoo. All roads lead to the E, Shelby. All roads lead to the E. All right. Our first ever guest hails from the great state of Maine. He was the Rookie of the Year in the Eastern Hockey League last season, where he also won a championship and was named to the All-EHL First Team. And even better yet, he got to play with Zook and I. Um, this past summer, he was a 15th-round draft pick of the Cedar Rapids Rough Riders in the USHL. And he is really only going to the Rough Riders. He's like really only on the Rough Riders because of me, but we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but he's currently an assistant captain for the Rough Riders, and he recently committed to Northeastern to play college hockey. Uh, is that good? But welcome to the FHA podcast, to probably the most naturally gifted player I know, uh, Nathan McKinnon Jr., Andy Moore. Andy, how's it going? Good, boys. Um, happy to, to talk and uh, to be on the pod. So, awesome. it's exciting. Awesome, yeah. dude. That's an unreal intro, Izzy. That's yeah, awesome. I put, I put some thought into that one. I, I figured if he's going to be our first guest ever, it's got to be a little bit special. So. All right. You have the first question, Biz? Yeah. Uh, well, first off, are you in Cedar Rapids right now or like? What's, what's going on? Where are you at? How's your season going? Uh, it's, it's going well. In a little, little tough stretch right now with the team, but in Cedar Rapids at, at my billet house and um, Sunday off, so back to work tomorrow. Yeah, well, I think we could we could go into, obviously, you know, the beginning of, of your hockey career and, like, how you started and um, who got you into the game, but I think, you know, Everyone's kind of similar in that sense where we all started when we were like five years old and all that. So um, as, I, as I mentioned, though, you did grow up in Maine. And yep. For the listeners that might not know, like, why don't you give like the landscape of how hockey is in Maine? Like, do you have rinks nearby your house or did you have to travel far to, to, to skate or how did that work out? Um, I was super lucky. I had two rinks, both within like 10 minutes of my house. Um, so grew up. Dad, mom, dad got me into hockey and um, two younger brothers, so made an outdoor rink and basically just with Maine, like, played travel growing up and, you know, a lot of kids, most kids, like, once you got to high school, left to go play um, prep school or uh, other U18 teams, but I decided to stay and play high school for four years with my brothers and... That main high school, I mean, it's just like like you guys both played Minnesota. Like nothing's better than high school hockey, so it was unreal experience for me. Yeah, I was I was about to ask. That was our first question. What was your reasoning, like, for staying and playing high school instead of going to those higher levels, where like you see kids your age committing Division One, or like at age yeah. sixteen, seventeen, but you're probably just as good as them playing high school, putting up four, what three, four points per game as a junior senior. Yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, it was a great time. Like my so my younger brother was on my line. We won the state championship junior senior year, and um, like my advice was always to learn how to dominate the level that you're at before you move up. And not to say that you know. I mean, it was it was hard, but um, 
yeah, I just I love my high school and I love being home and playing hockey in front of my friends and family. So it was important for me to stay my senior year. Once well, I won, yeah. Sorry, I actually like I want to ask like based off of that, like, did you have options to like go to prep or you know go play for a AAA team? Like, did you have like were teams pursuing you during that time to to leave high school or how did that go? Yeah, actually, my um for my. After my junior year, I was I went out to actually after my sophomore year I went out to um, a main camp in the BCHL, and then my my junior year, I was talking to a bunch of prep schools. One one in called uh, Shawinigan Lakes, in, in British Columbia, and then Philip Sexter, Deerfield, and then St Andrews, and and also in Canada. But yeah, I just I decided to stay and like. Like I said, once it was my junior year, I felt like I had to stay for my senior year. Just like created so many like great friendships that I wanted to, to live out um, all the way through. So that kind of takes us to the end of your high school. Give us the story of how you ended up playing. First of all, I know you got four games in the NCDC. Uh, I think it was a team near your house, like Twin City, right? Yep. And then... You ended up playing with Viz and I on the Junior Rangers, which, to be frank, from where you were coming from, didn't really seem to make a lot of sense as to why you were playing two or three hockey. So kind of take us through the story that, um, you know, where you ended up here at Boston. Yeah, so, so after my senior year, there was a coach who was uh, really close to me. Um, I grew up going to summer camp in Prince Edward Island, and when I was probably like 14 or 15, there was like an instructor game and I ended up scoring a hat trick. And after the game, he was like, I coach in the BCHL and three years from when you graduate high school, I want you to come play for me. Um, and like, we just, we just had this great relationship. And so my plan was to go out there and try to make their team, but got denied at the border, like, like a lot of other kids with COVID. So that was definitely a major setback. Um, then another guy, a uh, hockey guy from Maine, Adam Nicholas. Um, he's been really helpful in my career. He close with Rich DiCaprio, and three days later, uh, he called Rich, and I was down at training camp with the, with the boys down in uh, Tewksbury. So <laughs> the rest is history from there. Yeah, I actually want to go back real quick. You just mentioned how you, you do these summer tournaments. Um Obviously, Maine isn't, like, known necessarily for hockey. So, did you play any other – like, I know you were a soccer player growing up. Did you play any other sports? Or, like, how did your year look like hockey-wise? Like, were you playing it all year round, or did you take a couple months off, or how did that go? Um, Like, I like I grew up – I always loved hockey. It was always my favorite sport. Um, but I played – like, I played soccer, soccer all the way through my senior year in high school. And – like when it was soccer season, I shot pucks and played on like some travel teams, but I pretty much went from like soccer to hockey season. And then in the summers, I go to Prince Edward Island in Canada. There's a hockey school there that I work at, and so I train there. And it's around a lot of good players who made me better. And that's where I, when I kind of learned like a lot about trying to learn how to be a pro and like with high school there's a lot of the kids on my team who were just you know playing hockey to have fun but i had to like 
have a different mentality than them. Like there's a bigger goal. And like, I was always, the, I was voted by my teammates, the hardest worker on my high school team, like all four years. And that's probably something that means the most to me because like, I think it just shows that no matter where you are, like if you put in the work with hockey and um, like people will find you and, and help you. So did you have an advisor at any point in this uh, journey? Cause I know there's a ton of people with questions about whether advisors work, if you need one. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think different things work for different people, but I've never, never had an advisor and I've had a lot of, a lot of people reach out, like a lot of advisors who want to, I want to do that, but you know, I, I think like the decision has got to be up to, to you. And I've been just so fortunate to meet people and like grow relationships with um, like the hockey world's so small. And like sometimes like advisors, I think have like interest with themselves, but if you can find like coaches or um, like skilled development guys who like, for example, Adam Nicholas, who helped me get to um, the Rangers and then, Rich DiCaprio, who helped me get to uh, Cedar Rapids, and then my coach at Cedar Rapids. There's no, there's no better advisor than coach. Um, so I think, I think for some people it's helpful, but for me, I never, never really needed it, or I, I didn't want it either. Because my, my, I think myself and my family are the, the best, best people to make decisions. Yeah, and um, was there like a certain point where? I mean, I, I assume you obviously always wanted to play hockey beyond high school, but like, was there a certain point where you were like, okay, like this is actually like, like I'm able to do this. Like, I can go play juniors. I can go play college hockey. Like was there a certain point in your career where you really kind of had that realization or? Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird. So like ever since I was like first started playing hockey, like my dream's always been to play in the NHL and, like I've never lost that once. Um, I remember after my sophomore year in high school, I was just trying to think big picture and was thinking like maybe I should try to play at a Division three school. And there's a couple coaches who like were like, "We think you're a like a high higher end Division three Division three player." And it's like, "All right, like not to say that's settling for less or anything, but I was." kind of figure that's what I would do. And then I guess my mindset just changed over, over time. And I, and I realized like, damn, I think I, I can really like do something with this and especially my senior year. And, um, last year too, I like, it's always been my goal to play division one and my goal to, to try to play in the NHL someday. Yeah. So we can kind of lead that into, to last year with the Rangers. Um, <clears throat> when you had these Division One aspirations and you found yourself playing, like, obviously on the best Tier 3 team in the country at the time, uh, but still Tier 3, you, you don't see a whole lot of guys going Division One out of Tier 3. What was your what was your mindset there through the whole year where you see basically all your teammates committing Division 3 and they're all basically 20, 21 years old, 20 years old, so... What, what was kind of your thought process through that season? We'll, we'll have more questions on that, but yeah, no, like 
I mean, I, I think it would bother a lot of kids, but for me, like I was, I was used to that. Like I was used to having to make the most out of a situation that might not be the most ideal. Um, and, and honestly, like I, I'm a firm believer, like I said it before, but like if, if you're a good player, like the hockey world's small, people will find you and, um, so many connections you can make and like I don't think I think if I got across the border and ended up in the BCHL I don't think I would be where I am right now because one they didn't even have a season but two like last year I got like opportunity to play on the power play play with some great players um and have a coach who like really cared about moving me on to the next level so um my mindset was always like really positive I don't think ever last year I didn't want to be there. What was your favorite part about playing for the Junior Rangers just as a whole throughout the whole season? Um, like I just I just love being on winning teams, and we won a lot. And I just felt like the culture with the guys was just – I just loved the group of, of guys that I was with. And, like, you guys, you two especially, along with, like um, – like, I was the youngest guy on the team, but you guys were all so supportive of me, and, like, I felt like I was being taken care of the entire year. And I'm, and I'm really, like, grateful for that because, like, having the, like, good role models um, just makes such a difference. Yeah. Biz, do you have any more uh, Rangers questions? Yeah, I still have a couple here. Can't so let them know. Um. Obviously, like, when you go into your first year of juniors, like, it's usually a, a big learning process for everybody. And um, so I'm just curious, like, what did you – what's, like, one thing that you learned um, during your rookie year that, you know, really helped you propel to the next level? Um, that's a good question. I think, like, like, with last year, the most important thing to me was, like, like how important it is, like, to try to – just to, like, try to – um, be one of the hardest working guys. Like, and like, we had a lot of hard workers on our team, but like, if you want to move up levels, like it, it doesn't just happen. You have to like b- basically work your balls off. And like I did that last year and I'm still doing that. And like there's oper- there's just so much opportunity with hockey, like no matter what level you're at. And last year just was like a realization to me. Um, like if I really work and like make goals, like I had, I had goals written down in my room and like, if I make goals and I work to get them, like anybody can make, make that, make that happen. So I think that was the biggest thing I learned. Yeah. So I guess we can segue into, you know, this past off season. Um, you, you told me, uh, before last summer, you'd never really like trained or like, like worked, worked out. out seriously. Yeah. So like, uh, which is why I, in the intro, I said you're one of the most naturally gifted players I've ever met. So like, I just want to know, like, I, it blows my mind that you were able to play at that level without doing any of that stuff. But regardless, um, like what changed this past summer? Like, like what, what did your training look like? Um, how did things change from, from how they were before? Yeah. It's, it's weird. Like, I just never really grew up working out. Like, my dad never let me go work out. It was, like, bad for you. 
Um, and I don't suggest that. Like, you got, I, I think, like, there's so many gains that you, that can be made in the gym. Um, just, and this summer, like, I don't think I did enough either. Like, I probably worked out two or three times a week. Um, and like, skated men's league Friday morning, and just try to like whenever I could find ice, I got ice basically. Um, but like I, I've always like shot pucks and stick handled, like that's been huge. And I think like now, like next summer, I think I'm gonna really try to like work out a ton because it, I just think it's so important. And I've kind of been naive a little bit about that. So like my advice to anybody else would definitely be like you got you got to work out because I I think I could be doing better right now if I worked harder last summer and even. Like probably would have been better for the Rangers if I wasn't eating like crap the summer before, you know. You didn't need to be any better. I don't. I, I think. I think. <laughs> <you didn't buy. laughs> but I mean, even sticking with the summer. So I, I alluded to it earlier about how you know I'm the only reason that you're actually on the team you're on right now. So mm-hmm. uh, the USHL draft what was that probably like July ish June. Yeah. Um. So like, how how did that day go for you? I know how it went for me. So like, what what, what were your expectations for it? And uh, like, yeah, give us your thoughts on on that day and that in that time period when I got drafted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't really expecting to be drafted. Um. So like, I had a weird talk with my coach during our season, and it, he was like. You know, didn't didn't really know how the USHL draft worked or anything, um, and I kind of thought maybe Chicago would draft me because I had a good relationship with one of their coaches. Um, I just remember kind of like checking my phone. I was like, "All right, screw this. I don't even want to be drafted." And then just I just saw my name pop up, and I was like, oh, "What does this mean?" Well, like didn't even really know what to think. Um, and then obviously, like from there, I went to main camp which was two weeks later. And like, I guess that's when I kind of started to realize, like, I think I can like really make this team. And I think I surprised our coaches a little bit too um, with the fact that like, like, I don't think maybe they saw me having like the role that I had that I have on the team now than um, where I was that last year. So Zook, I, I know I've told the story to both you guys, but, I'll, I'll let the listeners know. So the reason why I say I, I, I give myself credit for Andy's uh, success here is because uh, one of my trainers in the summer, his name is Juno, and he's one of the scouts for Cedar Rapids. And uh, <laughs> he came up to me at one of our skates one time, and he's like, I I didn't know about this Andy Moore kid that you played with last year. Like, tell me tell me everything you know about him. I'm like, I you know, obviously pumped, pumped Andy's tires a little bit, just like, you know, said how he's a great kid and all that. And so I didn't hear anything about that for a while. And all of a sudden, like, I get, I get off the ice. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to my car and I like, look at my phone. <laughs> it's, it's the day of the draft. And Juno was calling me like five times. I had like five missed calls. And I'm like, what is going on here? So I call him back and he's like, uh, yeah. So like the draft's going on right now. Uh, like I seriously, like I know you told me before, but like, I seriously need to know everything about Andy Moore. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, no way. So yeah, I, then I really went in depth, like, you know, pumped his tires again. And then I look at my phone like five seconds later and he's drafted. So 
Juno is such a beauty. I remember him. Yeah. He's a great yeah, guy. No. Yeah, and like, and that's what I've been saying. Like, it's just about who you who you know. Like, there's so many good people in the hockey world. Like, Juno is like a prime example, and like Biz is a prime example. Like, I think one thing that's been so important for me is like never burning bridges, always keeping in touch with people, and like just a small relationship like that led me to where I am. So, um, but yeah, definitely. Thanks to Biz, because you're the man, buddy. Well, I'm still waiting. I requested $5 on Venmo for my uh, my advising services, so yeah. I, I don't think that ever got fulfilled, so I'm still waiting on that one. I, I, I got you. I'll yeah. get that over. You're, you're, you're welcome, though. <laughs> so you're at Cedar You're at your seat. You got drafted by Cedar Rapids. You end up going to, um, you know, their main camp, train camp, lighting it up. And it was actually cool, like, like, being there for you during that time because you'd always text me and like yeah each, each time you went to a camp you're like oh my gosh like i just lit it up like the coaches love me like like all this stuff and then you're like oh my gosh like i'm like they tell me i'm gonna be top six and i'm like it's i mean it's crazy especially like coming from where you were last year i mean um mm-hmm. obviously we're not knocking the team we played on last year but um you know dumping from tier three straight to tier one is uh unheard of like i don't know if anybody else has ever done that before but um why don't you like tell listeners what that jump was like Like, i'd say especially like on the ice like what what was the biggest adjustment for you and like what's been so different i'll add a little bit onto that first uh i remember picking up from the airport andy and or it was like a little bit after yeah and you told me it's like one of your stories from main camp and how these kids were so pissed at you for making it over them like kids who were committed yeah. division one stuff that were getting cut by this like mm-hmm. tier random tier three center they'd never heard of uh that was a really cool story i remember hearing yeah no i mean like that's that's one thing like get back to what biz is saying here but like it stuff happens like quick and you you can never be complacent like You'll see, like, in my season, like, I've seen kids with commitments that don't work out, and you think you can play here, but, well, there's always another kid. So, like, that's something that I've seen a lot this year. Um, but, yeah, like, the jump the jump was pretty, pretty crazy, but, um, like, I was – I think the, the process of, like, main camp was, like, 100 kids, so that – like by the end of that, I was a lot better than I was at the start, and then forty camp was better than than um than not the first camp, and then like training camp was a little bit better than forty man camp. So like with the way that it kind of worked out, and like players started getting cut, I, I like started to kind of develop. Like I think the process of that, the way that uh, our team did it, like really helped me, um, and the regular season is way harder than any of those camps. So definitely still adjusting that. Um, but yeah, it's, it wasn't easy. And it's funny. I'm, one, one story about my coach. I remember I was like, one thing that sticks with me is I was at main camp and um, I was like, I was just talking to him about, I, I didn't know if I was going to make the team or not. And I was like, said something like, along the lines of like, it's, it's just pretty, like, I'm just feel really lucky that I'm here and just coming from where I did last year. And he said, that's the last time I want to hear you say that. Like, it doesn't matter where you were before. Like 
all that matters is where you are now. And I think that's important, like just for people to know, because like you can never sit around and like think, Oh, I made it because there's just so much work to do. And like, but, um, that was really good advice from him. So, yeah. Um, as the season goes on, like, what are your practice days normally? Like, what are your game days? Just kind of give us, like, a week in um, the life. Yeah. So, practice, practices on Monday last around two hours, and then slowly, like, trims down kind of as the week goes on. So, like, it'll be maybe 75 minutes on Wednesday and then 40 minutes on Thursday around there. <laughs> um, get to the rink at, like, 9.30, sometimes earlier. Like, we have ice all morning. Um, but practice is started at 11 every day, and usually we have film before that. We work out twice a week, Monday, Wednesday. Um, really lucky, like, we have a trainer who's always there. Um, his name's Ipper. He's, he's a beauty. And, um, and we got games usually Friday, Saturday. So it's nice where our team is really good at home games, but – got to find ways to win on the road so it, it's a lot of fun definitely different than last year and I, I hear you were recently elected to fat camp Andy so what's what's yeah. the story behind fat camp here I, <laughs> I want to hear it yeah you know I, I mean I've always been a, a chunky kid as <laughs> you guys know like I was uh picked on a little last year and still being picked on and finally my, my coach is like enough is enough so I've been been on a diet, been had a cupcake on my birthday, but that from other than that, like I've been eating really help, healthy, like chicken, vegetables, um, biking. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm on the bike for 30 minutes, so got cut this fat off. So That's awesome. Yeah, same picture that we. I don't, I don't know if you sent it to us last year, or it, it somehow got dug up, but like it was of you when you were younger. And I would say that you saying that you've been always been a chunky kid, uh, definitely. definitely. <laughs> it, oh, yeah. I, like I, I don't even know how to describe it. Like I saw it for the first time, I was like rolling on the floor laughing. I, yeah. We might have to post it, like when we, when we release it. So. <laughs> yeah, you guys do what you want. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not ashamed. Like it, it's. We it's call it. We call it corner weight. It's corner weight. It's called corner yeah. weight, Andy. Oh yeah. When your battles. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, well, uh, I'm working on it though. So you kind of broke down your week. Um, obviously you've been on the East coast basically your whole life. Um, now you're in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, not too far from uh great state of Minnesota, but oh, yeah. um, how is it like, like living in the Midwest now? Like how is, I mean, Cedar Rapids is crazy for hockey and like, I know they didn't have a season last year, so like, are the fans, you know, like, you guys get a lot of fans, or how how's the town, how's the area, like, how do you like the Midwest so far? It's been treating me great. Um, you know, it's it's a lot different than the East Coast. Like, I miss the ocean and and being home, obviously, but it's it's cool and like Cedar Rapids is just such a great hockey town, and we got we have great fans here, and they're they're always showing up. Uh, really lucky to be here and not easy living away from home and billet house. So like, this is my first year billeting. Um, but that's, that, that's been a, 
it's been good so far and I've great billets, so I bet you've never seen so many cornfields in your life. Oh yeah. All over the place. There's yeah. trouble finding stuff to do, but that means more time to hang out with the guys, which is which is never a bad thing. Exactly. You, you notice how nice we all are in the bus? Like is that Oh yeah. Yeah, people are all nice out here. Everybody. Yeah. Well, going back into your season now. So, like we said, you were the 15th round draft pick this summer. Um, jumped from the HL to USHL, and, and on top of that, you were named assistant captain for for your team this year. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, going to how much of an honor that was. Uh, like, were you expecting that? Um, how different has it been, or like, like what's your favorite part about being a leader and all that? Yeah. No, I, I like if you asked me this time last year, I would say no, no chance. Probably no chance I'd even be on a USHL team this year, let alone assistant captain. Um, but once I like started to, um, like get in the groove and um, just kind of like be around the team, I started to realize like, okay, like I think I have a could could have a leadership role here, and. It's weird with the USHL. It's a lot different because like you can only have three or four age outs on one team. So like, there's a lot of kids. Like, I'm I'm the fourth oldest guy on our on our team, and um, I think like my work ethic. A lot of guys look up to me. And, uh, we had a we had a vote, and I was named assistant. Uh, I think a couple months ago. So it's it's it means a lot to me. It's Really, really proud of that, and proud to like represent uh, my teammates there. They're the best. So. All right, so we'll get to the big question now, too. What was your uh, process with the Northeastern, and in general, your college recruiting process through this year? Yeah, I mean that was kind of that was a lot like to handle, just because like it's so hard. There's so many people who. Um, like were really good to me. Other other schools like went on went on one visit. Um, that went great, but like I think at the end of the day, I had to. You have to be selfish, and you have to like. You can't be thinking about hurting anyone's feelings. Like, and I'm I'm a guy where I don't I don't want to let anybody down, and it was hard for me sometimes because, like, with some coaches, were were great to me, and I had, I had to call them and be like, yeah. I decided to go to Northeastern and that was hard, but that you have to realize like that's their job. So this happens to them all the time. And once I made the decision, called the schools who I wasn't, that I, that I was talking to a lot and told them I wasn't going there, then I, I knew I made the right choice. How long, how long had New, uh, Northeastern been talking to you before you ended up committing there? Um, so after after our main camp in Cedar Rapids, um, I was talking about this before, but I, there's a coach in the BCHL, and I actually called my coach in Cedar Rapids and I said, I think I'm going to go play play in Canada because I don't I don't think like I want to have a big role in the team. And he went back and forth for a while, but he was very my coach was. And I was like, yeah, I need you to trust me. Like, you're going to have a good role on, on this team. And then after that, he got uh, he had Northeastern call me. So that's kind of where it started. So I was like, oh, I probably have to go here now. That's awesome. And, then, um, and so, yeah, they called me. And 
went on went on one visit, like an unofficial visit before our season even started, and it was kind of weird. They actually didn't reach out to me for a while, and then uh, I committed there. So, but still got a lot of work to do to get there. Um, yeah. Well, why don't you like, kind of like like let the listeners know what it's actually like to talk to like a D one school? Like, I know you like right after our season ended last last season, you were receiving calls almost right away. Um, mm-hmm. Like what, how like nervous were you right away when you got your first call? Like, did, did you almost have like a moment where it was like, okay, like this is like, this is actually happening. Like this is something that like, yeah. Like, yeah. I'll break that down. Um, yeah, it's, it was really like, it, it obviously, it, it feels good. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I really like, I would, like the college, there's a lot of really nice people, like really nice recruiters. And um, I was definitely nervous my first couple of calls. And then I kind of started to get used to it a little bit. And, um, still get nervous and, and excited when when I'm talking to uh, Northeastern and stuff. So it's, it's you know, got you have to treat everybody with respect too because um, you never know like what could happen and, but yeah, definitely, definitely fun. And we talked a lot about the accomplishments you've had so far, um, but I kind of want to hear like what the greatest hardship you faced so far is, and what you did to get through it, like how you battled through adversity. Yeah, and I think the the greatest hardship I had was definitely uh, getting denied at the border before last year. And the reason for that was I got my bags packed. I was, I was so excited and basically I've been waiting in all four years of high school to get here or to get to the BCHL and then boom, like right in front of my eyes, basically that dream and like that goal was just taken away. And remember it was, I was at the customs office for like eight hours. And at that point it was November. I had no place to play. Um, and like I was driving home and I actually was listening to this podcast on the way up about like this, this Navy SEAL. And he was saying like, bad is good. This that whole like mentality. So I was like, all right, this, it's, it's going to be okay. Um, and, and it was like, I, you just got to stay positive because like, I think it's very rare to like with hockey to predict like this kid will be here three years from now. Like, it just doesn't work like that. Um, so you kind of got to roll with the punches. And as I said before, like the biggest thing for me was to have people close that I'm close with in the hockey world that, that like took care of me and Adam Nicholas. Um, he, he's a guy who I grew up playing for. Um, and he coached me and taught me how to skate. And he was, he was there for me when I needed him and, I'll always be grateful for him for that. Help me get get to the Rangers. Well, I want to stay on on the topic of you know overcoming adversity and, and all that. And I just I think like what is one thing that players should know that like are in a similar spot that you were in, or like you know maybe it's a player who is somewhere they didn't really expect to be at, but they still have really high aspirations. Like what is one thing, one message that you can tell them? You know, kind of get them through it. Um, yeah, I just, I just think it's, it's important to, um, 
like one to stay positive and two like to work hard and and to know like it it really like just comes down to like how much you put into it and like for me i've always been a person where like if if i put if i know like i put everything into this and it doesn't work out then that's okay um that's okay with me and um like i hope like people can see kind of like the path i took and i still got a lot of a lot of work to do to get get to college um but just kind of to see that like there's really so many different ways that you can so many different paths in hockey so um there's never a right a right path um yeah i'd say that's that's that would be my advice stay positive awesome i'm sure people take that um i hope people listen and take that to heart because that's really really good advice so yeah well andy we thank you so much for taking the time to, to be our first guest and obviously there's a reason that you are you were our first and you know you know how proud we are of you and, and we're your, your biggest fans and you know, excited to see uh, your ascension up the the hockey world here it's it's been really cool to witness and and thank you for for coming on yeah thank thank you guys and you guys are two of my best friends and um i think it's really cool what you're doing and it's it's just meaningful to to me and i think it'll be meaningful for a lot of other people so thank you guys yeah thanks andy all right guys thanks for listening to the andy Moore interview uh it was a great great time with him and talked to him a little bit really missed the kid uh what did you think of the interview Billy? i loved it i thought it was great um you know he's just such a great kid like speaks the truth and uh yeah, no, I, 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 like the one thing that stood out to me was just like how much of a, of a believer he is, and if if you're good enough, they'll find you. Yeah. Like, that, like the perfect example of that. Like didn't didn't go anywhere that he didn't need to because he knew if he stayed right where he was and just worked hard and 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 lit it up at the level that he was at, like he yep. was going to get noticed by those by the higher levels. And yeah, dude, I, it's crazy that like the transformation he's had, not. Not transformation, but the transition he's had. Just it's it's crazy how confident he is in himself, but he's not cocky at all. He trusts himself more than anyone else I played with, but he's the least cocky guy about like, it. How many times did he say like, like he basically said, "Oh yeah, like like that's good that, that happened." Like I'm still like I still need to work. Like I still need to get to Northeastern. I, I still need to be the hardest like, worker around. He has to be the hardest worker everywhere he goes. It's awesome. It, it's like a who cares like work harder mentality or it's like a never settle mentality and i love him i i can't pump andy tires enough he's literally one of the greatest greatest guys ever um so fortunate to have been his teammate for a season and yeah i'll be his one of his number one fans uh as long as he's playing hockey so yeah. isn't that it's crazy though like he he's going to he's going to northeastern now but it's like like once he gets there, like he's shooting for the show now. Like he's shooting for the NHL, and and I know nothing's gonna get in his way to like stopping that. No, he's a workhorse. Gosh, he's a workhorse. A it was what great to have him on, and the most fitting first guest we possibly could have had. So I hope you guys well, really enjoyed. Unanimous, that. unanimous pick. Like we literally, like, we told him he's coming on. Yeah, like he was. <laughs> we were like, oh, who should our first guest be? Like both of us at the same time anymore. Like it's it's a no brainer. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hope you guys learned a lot from that. There's a lot of talk or there's a lot of points you can take from that to apply to your game and your career. And we want you guys to be just like Andy. Be like Andy. Of course. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, We'll see you guys probably next week. We'll see. When we get our next guest on. It depends on it depends on scheduling for them, not us. But uh, in the meantime, check out our, our website, check out our social media pages at FHA Mentors. Uh, like we said, if, if anybody has a, a message or a question, um, our, contacts, our contact info is on our website. There's a form on our website you can send it directly through. Um, we're here to help. We're here to answer questions. So All thank right. you guys for listening. And check out the Eastern Hockey League. Thanks, guys. Yeah.